Welcome to Rough Drafts, how God writes his love in our stories, a podcast that explores the faith journeys of our friends and neighbors in Burns, Tennessee. Everyone has a story to tell. And in this podcast, we'll hear powerful and inspiring stories of how God works in the ordinary lives of people like you and me. Our stories are unfinished and perfectly imperfect. They're just rough drafts, a glimpse of what is to come because God is still at work, writing plot twists, introducing new characters, and bringing good even from the most challenging circumstances. Join us as we see what God is up to in our stories. Here's your host, Matthew Hyatt. Thank you for joining us today for our Rough Drafts podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Hyatt. I've enjoyed very, very much hearing all of these cool stories. You have heard ups and downs and lefts and rights. And uh, the thing that I've taken away so far from these first few episodes is just how important our detours can be. Um, I hate detours. I want to get from point A to point B, but detours seem to do more to form us and make us who we are and teach us than all the rest of life put together. Today's guest is going to be really special. She is someone I am not allowed to sit next to in any sort of important function <laughs> like a funeral. Uh, her sense of humor is almost as bad as mine. Uh, uh, she's a little more daring sometimes, I think. She's a, a camp counselor extraordinaire, a queen of church league softball, an incredible worker. Uh, she's an accountant, but you would never know it. Uh, she serves at CareNet Pregnancy Center. She loves to help people with special needs in the PALS program. Uh, and most of all, she has survived many years of being married to Keith Harding, so you know <laughs> she is a survivor. Welcome to our show today, Martha Harding. Hey, thanks for having me. So, uh, do you wow, yeah, yeah, sort of. Ask me in about 30 minutes, and we'll see. <laughs> 30 minutes, we're going to make it that long. Yeah. See, most yeah. people so far have started out by explaining how much they hate me, and then mm-hmm. in the end they say it's not that bad, but we're planning well, on going I the mean, way. If anybody knows me, they already know how much I hate you. So that's that doesn't need to be reiterated that or said. My heart so, out loud. so much. Yeah, that's actually been the theme of each episode. Is we hate Matthew Hyatt. Well, Martha, you know the question I'm going to ask you. So, yeah. what's what's your God story? Oh wow! So I'm trying to think of how far back and where I begin. Um, so you know, pretty traditional, I think, for grew up in a um, you know. Christian home. My mother took us to church every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, very much involved. Um, You know, she really demonstrated, I think, for us the independence. My dad left when I was, I think, eight. And so, um, you know, that presented a lot of challenges, but I was able to watch her uh, walk through that and the example that she set of hardworking, independent. Of course, my grandparents on both sides uh, were very much involved and and uh, helped when when help was needed. And so, um, you know, grew up in the church. Uh, so you would think that I had everything figured out and that, you know, growing up in toddler and preschool classes at the church that Life would be great. Okay, so, so who was the youth crew back then? Ah, uh, so uh, basically, Alan, Marsha, Griffin were the youth leaders when I when I got up to that age group. <laughs> love those two people, like <laughs> love those two people. And then uh, Carol and Todd came along later in my you know high school years. Uh, love them too. Lots of lots of stories, lots of history. Yeah, you can't um, tell any of those stories. Yeah, no, cannot cannot tell any of those stories. Um, you know, 
my probably closest friends were in, you know, church with us and, and the youth group. However, part of my story is uh, there was some fallout about uh, 10th grade or so. Um, some rumors maybe that were getting started or just just kind of a fallout. And and with that, I, I sort of stepped back a little bit. Uh, I had made, of course, other friends. We'd went from this small junior high at the time um, to this huge high school in Dixon. And so my friend circle had started branching out anyway. <clears throat> so, you know, as I got into high school, I was still involved, I think, in youth um, and in the youth group stuff, but maybe just not as committed. And I do feel like um, those experiences are extremely important. I, I had my oldest daughter was heavily involved in youth group when she was growing up. Uh, my other two, not so much. They just couldn't really find a place that they fit, but they they still, you know, enjoyed hanging out and doing things sometimes with them. Um, so, yeah, my story is, uh, you know, while while I was in, at church and involved in church and involved in youth group, uh, that also, I think, played into some of decisions maybe that I, I made. So, I think at a very young kind of age, I um, started looking to for acceptance and and love and worthiness in a lot of different external factors. Um, I can remember in middle school, I started dating a guy, and you know, for three years we we dated, and I'm using air quotes. Um, <clears throat> But every relationship I was in seemed to be a very long relationship. Um, there was a relationship in high school that wasn't great. It was abusive. I, I didn't know how to get out of it. Um, and then graduated from high school and had taken a little break from the, the abusive relationship. I would said, you know, I'm, I'm done with this. We're not moving forward. Um, he was very persistent still. So I go to um, spring break with my friends and all of my classmates that graduated. And um, there was this guy. I've known him for years. We went to school together. Um, somewhat, I would say, infatuated with me. I remember him being in at softball games in the stands and just, you know, being my number one supporter. And, and like I said, we were friends. Um, so made a decision on spring break, um, that really changed the course of my life. Yeah. Uh, I, I jokingly said to someone and, and I joke about this and it's not, it's not funny and it's not a joke, but I'm, I'm, I like to joke around. So I make fun in light of the situation. Um, I asked a, a group of people the other day, just show of hands, has anybody held on to a souvenir that you've gotten on vacation for 27 years? It's like I have, you know, she'll actually be 28 next week, you know. Um, so, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, Bethany. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, so, wow. Talk about just a um, complete, I mean, the shame, the guilt. Uh, I remember finding out, you know, midsummer that I was pregnant. And, man, like, if, I wasn't ever afraid of what my family would say. I was so blessed with a supportive family. They were firm believers, and we all make mistakes or 
are to- bad choices and there's consequences for those and we're going to love you through it. I don't know that I could say the same for the church family. Um, I continued to go, you know, to church and stuff, but I felt like I walked in with my Scarlet A on, on my, you know, uh, around my neck. Um, but, uh, man, I had to call all my friends. I was going to Lipscomb that fall. We were all had our room ready and I had to call all them and say, yeah, that's not going to happen for me this year. Um, thankful social media wasn't a huge thing way back then because, uh, it was hard enough to know that they were out there being able to live these, these college lives and I'm raising a kid working full time. I'm still going to school full time as well. Um, again, thankful for the help and the support that I had through that. Um, and you know, like I said, the shame and guilt with that, it's its taking me a long time to uh, be free from that, like really a long time. How much of the, the things that you felt, how much of that was Martha and how much of that was pressed upon you by what was around you? Yeah, I think what I, I see now in my journey as a as growing up in the church is uh there was a a lot of things I felt like missing um grace and mercy being one of those like um I had no concept of that it was just like I've done something wrong and I mean you know I might as well uh, there's no there's no forgiveness there there's no uh how can I ever how can God ever love me because of the mistake, the mistakes that that I made. I mean, because I continued then down this path. Um, <clears throat> there's not a lot of people that know this. Uh, I'm working this year on my vulnerability. So, uh, uh, I'm, you know, while there might a handful of people do know this, I guess I'll let the other 10 or 15 people that might listen to this podcast know there's as that. well. <laughs> I'm positive, right? Um Bethany was, um, I, w- I distinctly remember I had taken Bethany over to her dad's um, families to visit and had a good relationship, even though we weren't together and never really were, you know, planned to do the marriage thing. We, you know, still tried to be cordial to each other. Um, so I was over at his uh, mom's house and a friend of ours from high school had come over and to see him. And uh, he wasn't there, so we got to chit-chatting on the front porch. And he was like, you know, I'd like to take you out sometime. I'm like, okay, well, that, I mean, my kid's only like a few months old. I mean, wow, this person is interested in me and knowing I have a kid? Like, I didn't think that was ever going to happen. Yeah. Um, so fast forward about six months, we're married. <laughs> we're married. Um, about a year into the marriage, I'm like, okay, something's not right. Something's something's not right here. Um, and uh, we decided to separate. Uh, got divorced uh, about um, seven months, I guess, after we separated and or after we we got divorced. Um, he had his other daughter with the person that he was um, seeing while we were together that's Um, you know and I have a couple of other stories through my (laughs) through my relationships of that happening but uh they're still together today they have made a family of of their own so that's great for them 
and this may not be where you want to go at all, but I mean, just when you lay those two stories next to each other, especially with what you experienced with some abuse in, in high school, oh. um, you want to talk about a recipe that's going to make it hard to trust people or yeah. trust God or trust, just trust. Yeah. There is the recipe. Mm-hmm. It, exactly. And so then I, I turned that trust just upon myself. I became someone who was never going to need anyone for anything. Um, I was, uh, you know, everything I had really done in life up to, you know, through my high school and, and school career, I mean, it's like was successful. You know, I was a great athlete with, you know, um, winning awards and, and, you know, a medalist at the high school and just, you know, everything I did was, was great. And then this bombshell of, of, of getting pregnant and, um, and so, I, you know, I tried to just continue that kind of inner strength and independence, not going to need anybody for anything. Um, and then, again, the, the decision to, you know, attach myself to the first person that was interested in me knowing I had a kid proved to be a colossal failure. Um, and so that is sort of, I think, when I I really was like, okay, um, this is not where I should be looking for filling that that void and uh, of love or or acceptance or uh, anything like that. So I kind of took a little what I would call hiatus from the dating field. I dated some other people, but nothing really serious. Um, and then the infamous Keith comes into my life. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'd known him a lot. We we kind of had a lot of the same sports interests. So we had seen each other as we're playing uh, ball on, um, you know, the uh, co-ed teams or whatever. And uh, I, I remember a flag football game that we were at that there was a little, you know, we, we talked a little bit. Um, so anyway, I got to know him, and I will never forget, uh, I, Bethany and I were headed to Dixon, and I did not mute my phone. It's okay. Um, headed to Dixon, uh, and it started kind of sprinkling and storming and kind of snowy, and we had a flat tire. So here I am with my, uh, Bethany was four when Keith and I met. So a really fun age to be on the side of the road. Fun age, fun age. And... Um, we had met, it, it was like late November, early December. We had been already been talking for like a couple of months by then. And I called him because I was like, I didn't know who else to call. And he shows up to change my tire in the snow. Um, the other things that, uh, you know, a lot of the times as I would uh, talk with people or date people, it was like, oh, can we go, you want to go out this weekend? I was like, oh, Bethany, you know, I don't have a sitter for her. And they were like, okay, well, I'll just catch you some other time. It was never like wanting to include her. And so uh, I remember Keith one time asking me if I could, if I wanted to go grab dinner. And I'm like, I don't have anybody to watch Bethany tonight. And he was like, you know, when I ask you if you want to do stuff, I don't, I don't mean only if you don't have Bethany, I would like to get to know her as well. Um, and so that really told me he was kind of a, a different kind of special, but in a good way. <laughs> um, That's not the first time you said that he was a different <laughs> kind of special, I don't think. And so, um, you know, so so my story took a lot of different twists and turns, um, a lot of visible um, choices and consequences of those choices. 
Um, and honestly, I think, you know, my walk has never really ended. Um, it, but just for the last maybe five to 10 years, I really feel like I've learned more in, about grace, about mercy. I mean, about the Holy Spirit. I, I don't even know, didn't even know what that was, you know? Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, so I think if anyone gets anything from my story, um, it is that, you know, the old cliche, and they say, you know, only God can fill those voids. And that's so true. That's so true. I, I turn to a lot of different things to try to uh, feel accepted, loved. And a lot of those decisions that I made um, backfired, <laughs> put me in bad situations or made me make decisions rash and 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 you know, weren't really good decisions in the end. Um, but then I, I do believe that all things work together for good. And, I've read and that somewhere. Yeah, I've read that somewhere, right? Um, and I was just talking with my grandmother yesterday, and, and, you know, she was like, we're just so blessed. And I'm like, yeah, and I think about our lives. And anyone, to me, different decision or change is, it would, would mean that I wouldn't end up where I'm at today. Yeah. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, that's one of the reasons that CareNet's always been kind of near and dear to my heart once I, you know, found out more about them because I've walked that road that those teenage girls are walking. And and my road is a little different because I had the family support and I had um, um, the, the love and the help um, that not a lot of people have. Sometimes parents are like, well, you know, you've got to move out or, you know, you've got to do this and you've got to do that because we're not, you know, going to help or support. Well, I mean, it, it costs you a lot. I mean, literally, but it costs you that experience as a freshman in the dorm at Lipscomb. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And what it took from you in terms of church, what was the, the church life like? What was the aftermath of that? Yeah. And so um, it was very, very tough when I was walking through the actual pregnancy. And a lot of that was from from me um, and um, just the way I felt that shame and that guilt. Um, you know, the church family wanted a, a public uh, repentance, which, again, I, I it's it's a public sin. And so they wanted that public confession for in front of the congregation that, um, you know, and, and I don't think it was until that happened that they then were like, okay, now it's all okay. We can kind of come back and love on her now. And now, this isn't my story. So yeah. I can, I can ask from an outsider. I'm not trying to, to be mean or judgmental to anybody, but as you're telling it, it sort of sounds like they dangled. The only way you're going to get acceptance is if you walk through the hoop of apologizing yeah. to them in the way, you know, yeah. I grew up in church and we always had this line about, you know, the, the repentance should be as public as the sin. That yes. was kind of the, yeah. so, and what that meant yeah. was if you got caught drunk driving and everyone found out about it, you had to come forward. But if you just drank at home, nobody knew about it. You sure. didn't. And that was kind of my walk too, because I knew the other people I was going in the youth group with at the time all this happened they were making the same choices I had made. They and just didn't get pregnant. I got caught. I got caught. Um, 
And so that was really hard because it's, you know, to me, the hypocrisy of it. And again, the other thing I will stress is it wasn't everyone, you know, at the church. There were people that loved on me from the beginning. Um, You know, I think the um, eldership wanted certain things to happen before they felt comfortable with, you know, a baby shower at the church or just some different things and, like and that. I get where that logic that I, I get where it came from. My issue with it was it was just always so, um, so uh, I'm trying to say this as charitably as I can. Um, it was not applied consistently. Uh, you know, the, the, the repentance is as public as the sin. For one, that's not in scripture. Right. right. Period. End of sentence. We need to acknowledge. Maybe there's some wisdom in that idea. And, and I think they're to a degree, sometimes there is because public vulnerability mm-hmm. is productive, but it's not vulnerability if it's coerced. That's, exactly. That's different. And, and you know, one of the things I remember my mom telling me this, and this has only just been a few months ago, we were having some conversation and she said, you know, uh, some of the elders came to me and said they wanted to have back when you were walking through that, they wanted to have a conversation with you. And she said, no, she said she knows what she needs to do. And it's between her and God. And if if the choice that she makes is to publicly confess, that's her, that's her repent. I really couldn't confess to anything because it's pretty public. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that that is her decision to make. And, and you coming to her, I'm afraid that's going to push her away even further. And, and I look back on that and, you know, just that kind of shield of protection and my mom knew and and I think that's the other thing some very strong Christian women in my family and uh and I think that is you know kind of why I didn't give up along the way you know they were very much hey we've all made bad choices or uh you know bad decisions and that doesn't define who you are. And for years, you know, um, I think one of the reasons I jumped into uh, a relationship and a marriage so fast, even though that it only lasted about a year and a half, um, was the fact that I could go out in public with my daughter and this, my then husband, and nobody asked me. They would just think that we were a family, you know, because as a kid, you grow up and you're like, oh, I can't wait to get married and have a house and, you know, 2.5 kids and a white picket fence. And, you know, um, but that just wasn't how my story went. And that made it more palatable. It made it look like that's how it went. Right. And, And it avoided any questions. And I felt like I could walk out in public without the shame and guilt hanging over my head because everybody I would see would be like, oh, look at that. Look at that, you know, 18-year-old with her, you know, carrying the carrier around, you know. I just, I maybe I'm just cranky here, but I get really bothered by how, like you said, th- there were girls having sex left and right. Yeah. You got pregnant. You were the Scarlet A. Mm-hmm. They are the good youth group girls. Right. What did you do differently? Nothing. 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 And that's why I think uh, even when we're trying to be helpful, because uh, I I know some of the people in the story, and I think some of them had intent of doing right by God and right by you. Sure. But they were on the verge of doing great harm. Right. 
Um, yep. And I think ultimately it came down to um, re- me realizing that we are all human, that I'm human, but so are these people that may have been trying to do good, but, you know, may have done more harm than good. And and just realizing, you know, we're all human. And, and that is part of kind of the dynamic of a church family is having to deal with these personalities or these differences in opinions or what someone should do or what someone shouldn't do. Um, you know, I do feel like that um, if if I look back on that time when I, you know, was pregnant, I do feel like that uh, I don't want to say I was a martyr because I don't think that's the right word, but I do think that what happened to me did impact those other people in the youth group. And they're like, Oh my goodness, I'm doing the same thing. And she, that could happen to me and and potentially either kept people from making some of those same choices or decisions or had that they stopped engaging in those activities. Um, But, um, you know, I do feel like that uh, I was kind of that, chopping block example and here here it is and um and you know that's kind of my story today people look at where I am today and they're like well that couldn't have been that hard right I mean because you know you've you've got a husband that loves you that loved your daughter like his own from day one um and even his I mean in this family like there's no there's no distinguishing factor between Bethany and Taylor and Bryson for them at all. Well, you know, I, I didn't live here. I didn't grow up here. Yeah. And I came to town and I met your family through church camps and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, I'll tell you, I noticed there was an age gap between Bethany and Taylor. Yeah. Uh, but I never would have thought that she wasn't Keith's until someone told me. Yeah. You know, yeah. I probably thought that for several years. Yeah. Um, and that's a testimony to him and to you. Yeah, I just said something nice about you. You did, and it's recorded. It's permanently in history. It burns. It burns so much. <laughs> It'd be a shame if something happened and this file got deleted. Um, so where you are right now, and I, I hate to say this because it, it's going to be awkward. Um, you sound like you're in an incredible place. And the Martha that I know is somebody who is doing a lot of good. You have taught our girls Bible classes and done some amazing things. You are the person that I look for when we're at church camp because you know how to handle the situations and you know how to have fun with the kids. You know how to work hard with the kids. Um, and you even led the show talking about vulnerability a little bit and, and, and trust. It would be really easy for you to be in a different place today. Oh, absolutely. Um, and these things that have happened have you and God Mm-hmm. have worked them for good. Yeah. What helped make it go that way instead of the yeah. other way? Well, and I think that through this whole journey, as I look back on it, I see God was always there. And I think just, you know, studying and being involved in different Bible studies or being involved in church activities and being, you know, at church camps, what whatever, um, made me realize that, you know, God does work things for all good. And uh, I, w- I will tell you this kind of funny story. It's not a funny story, but, um, and I'm going to have to look at it on my phone. So okay. I have, uh, since you told me about this podcast idea you had, a, what, a week and a half ago, yeah, and asked me to join, um, 
I've really, I've just been praying about it, which that's one way that things have changed, uh, you know, that my, my prayer life. But like, give me the words to say, like, what can, what can some of the choices and decisions that I've made, how that can that help some of these middle school, high school girls that are walking the same road as I walked? How can it help them make different decisions? How can it make, how can I, you know, help them see that, you know, God's love is real. And and that is what's going to fill that void that you have. I get in my car to come over here. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And um, uh, my radio is usually on some type of Christian radio station. And song was playing um, by Mac Powell. And the chorus was just starting and let me just i'm going to read what this chorus said it was it was impactful enough i needed to write it down you brought blessings out of my tragedy you turned my old song into a symphony with your spirit living inside of me i'm a new creation and and so the song is called a new creation um and then i just kind of sat there for a few minutes i was like i've been praying that what i could say today will help someone. I am a firm believer in being very open about the choices, decisions, consequences of actions. I think that um, as we've walked some of these roads, sometimes kids look at us and they think they got it all together. I can't go to them and talk to them about this thing that I did because they're not going to understand. We are. The church is full of people who hide behind that mask of of perfection or you know uh i'm i'm this good person that have walked some very hard roads and i think sometimes we don't want to share those because we don't want people to see us or view us differently but i think if we if we've walked those roads we have to share that story we have to share that story and then um so then after that was the chorus and and then it the the very next verse uh, that came on said it wasn't until I stumbled and and I don't think I've got this word for word so um, it wasn't until I stumbled and realized my mistakes that I could look in my soul and see how amazing was grace. Oh, wow, wow, which is is what I felt like was missing my whole you know journey um, was that grace and mercy piece. If you were asking somebody. Or if you were offering to help somebody who you knew didn't yet taste that, that grace, that, that mercy, what, what would you say to help them start that journey of discovering that? What would you point them? I would just, I would say it's there. Like, like God doesn't call us to a life of perfection. And, and, you know, looking back um, in, in the Bible itself, I sometimes find myself you know, looking at the Israelites and and they're wandering through the wilderness and how they keep making the same mistakes over and over again. And I think you are stupid people. And then I look at me. I'm like, I make the same mistakes over. And I mean, we haven't learned anything. Right. And so I, I, I probably would say to them that it is just know that it's there. We're not called to a life of perfection and no sin, no mistakes. And that when you make 
decisions that really don't align with your values or what God wants for for you, that it's not the end of your story. Yeah. Um, that those can be used to to bring about good. Um, you know, and God's gonna plant you in different places. It may not be where he ultimately, you know, what you're called to do, but you can grow wherever he's planting you. That's good. I feel like Eric needs to show up and start singing Just As I Am or something, <laughs> and then we can publicly repent together. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, you know. But that that message of grace is just, you're going to blow it. Yeah. And Christianity is not about Jesus forgave you of your past sins, now you're on your own, good luck. Um, it is, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yep. Are you in Christ Jesus? Then there is no condemnation for you. Yep. That doesn't mean everything you do, smart, wise, God-honoring, helpful, productive, any of that stuff. But it does also mean that even when you do the dumb stuff, God God brings good. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I wanted to do these, this podcast, this was Liz Coons' idea. She's been after me to do a podcast for like, two or three years and people hear enough garbage from me. I don't want to do this, you know, like, and who has time? Right. Uh, But a couple months ago, we had a class where we talked about how important it is to share your story. And then we talked about how we don't really know where that fits in the life of the church. Like, you know, that's not something that our tradition has done real well. It kind of happens organically in small groups, some, Mm -hmm. but outside of that, it, it doesn't. So she came up to me after that class. She said, you know that podcast I keep keep telling you you need to do <laughs> what if we did that and use it as a place for people to tell their stories yeah. so that it, it does a little bit away with the the facades of you've got it all together yeah and so you know the reason i, I like this uh, we've talked to i don't know what episode number is going to be what but mm-hmm. we've we've done at least seven now and there's we have a list of almost 40 people that we're wow we're trying to talk to uh and every story is different yeah uh, but Every time it's been, I didn't know that. And wow, look what God did. And what I really love saying is that in each story, there is the opportunity. There is that fork in the road. This yeah, is either going to bring you closer to God or drive you further away. Yeah. Um, and yep. I, I just appreciate, I praise God for what he's done in your life. Yeah. And I'm grateful for the way he's continuing to use you. Oh man! Nice. I mean, you're cringing saying yeah, that. It's it's almost physically <laughs> painful over here. I don't know. I mean, I said we were going to go 30 minutes. If you're going to say all that great stuff, let's go 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to run out of material eventually. So, um, well, I don't know. Um, I, I do want to ask kind of one more question. I've asked it like three times, but it's like the most important question. How did you learn to appreciate God's grace? Like, what's what's the light bulb moment? Yeah. You know, what what changed you from the guilt and the shame? How did you see it? Uh, was there a person in your life who opened it to you? Was there a Bible study God used? Was there, did he drop a pound of bricks on your head with a Bible verse? You know? Yeah. And I think as I, you know, I mean, all the above except for the brick thing. Yeah. Um, I think that as I look back, um, just exp- again, about the last 10 years with my my walk, different opportunities for Bible studies and it, the the books we would choose to study would really kind of be exactly what I needed to hear. What were some time. of those? Uh, a lot of the Max Lucado books, um, you know, um, and you're going to ask me for titles. I'm not very good at the titles, but 
um, um, you know, the, um, you know, and, and now I'm going through this journey of um, on a big Brene Brown kick with her, you know, living wholeheartedly. And, um, you know, so I, th- I think I don't know that there was really a light bulb moment. That's normal. I think it was more just a understanding as I would read things or it could have been particular um verses that would stick out i relate a lot to my journey with song i i love you know worship music and that sort of thing and they're you know like that hit me this morning as i was on my way over here um and it just started making me realize that we're just not we're not going to be perfect and he's going to love us through the valleys um you know, and and so just knowing that I don't have to strive for that. I am who I am, uh, flaws and all. Uh, when I am weak, it, he is strong. Yeah, and so it's, um, I mean, it's freeing. You know, it allowed me to start letting go of some of that shame and, and guilt um, with decisions I had made and realized that, uh, you know, I'm just going to put everything out on the table. And and there were things I tried not to talk much about or, uh, you know, maybe repressed in my my mind. But um, it's not doing anyone else any good. And, and I just I feel like being able to tell that story or share those hard times or um, those times of struggle gives people some hope. Absolutely. And, and that's what, you know. I think I saw that acted out a lot in different people. Um, and I'm like, okay, they're, you know, I, they're embracing their journey regardless of what that journey was because that's brought them to here today. It's easy to wish our journey looked different, but yeah. it's better to say, what is this journey? Where has this journey brought me? What yeah. has it taught me? And I think God has used uh, those experiences that I had to, to, you know, because I'm not... Uh, hiding behind them and I do think that uh, it opens the door possibly for someone to know oh I'm I'm in this situation I I know she's faced that and I could be there from some for someone else and and like you said there definitely is a fork in the road decision you have to make Um, and I think for a few years you know I was leaning towards the other fork Um, and it it you know, God just gave me that that time and that that space and just inklings, and I could see that He was still with me. And, and gradually, I started moving back to the path of growing closer to Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Draw near to God, and He draws near to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite Bible verse? Um. So one of my favorite ones is uh, to do not be anxious. You know, that that verse, I don't know where it's at. The Philippians 4. Yes, yes. The second person, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and I know that's kind of a, a little, uh, that that's a, a big one. A lot of people a like it. A lot of people like it. They um, like it for a reason. Yeah. So um, I still struggle with a lot of like fear and anxiety, just, uh, um, and, you know, it's just kind of a daily mantra for me that 
he he cares for the flowers in the fields and the birds of the air and and I think my fear and anxiety is more uh I don't want to walk through the pain part of that. I know God will always be with me. I know he'll walk through that with me. I know I'll have church family and friends that will walk through those valleys. I just don't want to feel that pain. Yeah. So just, you know, um, skip that part. Skip that part. Um, so so that is one that I I usually, um, is kind of my go-to because I do have a, a lot of fear and anxiety just about, you know, uh, people being taken from my life or, um, you know, I mean, I could go way down some yeah. catastrophic type <laughs> yeah, I do things that, that go through my brain. <laughs> I can imagine all the bad things that could happen yeah. at any given moment. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it just takes you some dark places. Well, Martha, thank you so much for uh, sharing with us today. Thanks for being willing to be vulnerable and tell your story, um, even if it meant we had to say a nice thing or two about <laughs> Keith. Um, you know, I guess we all have a cross to bear, but. I wouldn't try to. No, that's for sure. You shouldn't. Um, well, thank you for yeah. thank you for doing this with us, and friends, thank you so much for listening. Uh, and if you enjoyed uh, our time together, I hope that you will share it with a friend because there is just something incredibly powerful about sharing your story and finding out that no, you're not alone. Because uh, every person is walking a crooked journey, and you never know where it ends up. So, um, thanks again for sharing that, and thanks for helping us do this. And until next time, I can't wait to hear what God is up to in your story. Thanks for listening to Rough Drafts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review. Until next time, let's keep looking for how God writes His love into our stories.